This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today's episode, Return of the Archons. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Episode 21, Return of the Archons. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the compliance lessons learned from the episode Return of the Archons, which occurred on Stardate 3156.2. The Enterprise arrives at Planet Beta 3 seeking information on the USS Archon, which was reported lost nearly 100 years earlier. A two-man landing party is sent to the surface but only Lieutenant Sulu returns from the planet, and he exhibits strange behavior. Kirk beam down, beams down with another party to investigate. They find the inhabitants living in a static 19th century Earth-style culture with little or no individual expression or creativity. The entire culture is ruled over by cloaked and cowed, cowed lawgivers controlled by a reclusive dictator known as Landru. Landing party has arrived at the start of festival, a period of violence and destruction and sexual aggressiveness, which apparently is the only time Landrew does not exercise control over the beaten population. Kirk's landing party seeks shelter at the mob from the mob at the boarding house owned by Rhaegar. A friend of Rhaegar suspects that the visitors are not of the body and summons lawgivers. The lawgivers kill Rhaegar's friend Tamar for resisting the will of Landrew. When the landing party refuses to do as the lawgivers say, the lawgivers become immobile and Rhaegar leads the Enterprise landing party down to a hiding place. Rhaegar reveals that Landru pulled the Archons down from the sky. Contacting the Enterprise, Kirk learns that heat beams from the planet are attacking the Enterprise, which must use all of its power for its shields. Its orbit is deteriorating and it will crash 12 hours unless the beams are turned off. A projection of Landrew appears in the hiding place, and Kirk and his team are rendered unconscious by ultrasonic waves. The landing party is imprisoned in a dungeon, and McCoy is absorbed into the body and placed under Landrew's control. Kirk is taken to a chamber of high technology, whereas he is also to be absorbed into the body. But Marplon, one of the priests of Landrew, who is immune to Landrew's control, rescues Kirk and Spock. Returning to the dungeon, Rhaegar and Marplon tell how Landrew saved their society from war and anarchy some 6,000 years ago and reduced the planet's technology to a simpler level. McCoy summons the lawgivers to absorb Kirk and Spock, who subdue them and don their robes. Marplon takes Kirk and Spock to the Hall of Audiences, where priests commune with Landrew. 
A projection of Landrieu appears and threatens Kirk, Spock, and all Batons who saw the landing party with death. Kirk and Spock use their phasers to blast through the wall and expose the truth. The reclusive Landrieu is actually a computer, and Landrieu, who built the machine, had died some 6,000 years ago. The computer neutralizes their phasers, and Kirk argues with the machine, telling it that his, it has destroyed the creativity of the people, killing the body. Concluding that the computer's prime directive is to destroy evil, Kirk forces the computer to self-destruct, freeing the people of Beta-3. The heat beam stops and the Enterprise is saved. Kirk agrees to leave the Federation advisors and educators on the planet to help the civilization advance free of Landry's dominance. So, what is a fun fact about this case? Well, it is the first appearance of the Prime Directive. One of the most interesting things about this article, or rather this episode, is you look just beneath the surface of the Archon story, you'll find some of the most daring and best ideas ever presented on television, at least up until uh, the time of the original premiere. The events take a thematic pot shot at both communism, organized religion, self-inflicted slavery, and the non-productive mindlessness of unquestioned brotherhood. Perhaps the most daring, however, is the stories equating a political collectivism with traditional religious and ethnic tribalism carried to an extreme. This is even more creepy a foreshadowing of the Borg and their hive mind. Didn't you know that resistance is futile? Well, you perhaps see that in this episode of Star Trek, the original series, Return of the Archons. And that leads to uh, our compliance takeaways because the prime directive uh, for any Star Trek fan is uh, well known as sort of the rule. And it's the rule by which uh, all Star Trek, uh, excuse me, uh, Starship Enterprise and United Federation of Planets personnel must live by. Of course, the prime directive specifies that Starfleet personnel are not to uh, disturb the timeline regarding the development of a planet. However, Kirk's feels that the Prime Directive applies to a living, growing culture of which Beta 3 is not. And therefore, uh, the destruction of Landrieu in the form of the computer is not a violation of the Prime Directive. So, uh, interesting interpretation by Kirk. And it really begs the question, is there room for uh, flexibility within the Prime Directive? Here we see the Prime Directive brought to us for the first time, uh, it would seem to be an absolute rule, yet Kirk finds room for flexibility. And it, uh, I thought uh, that's an interesting way to think about uh, your number one directive, as in prime directive. Is this something that should be an absolute or not? Or is it uh, really frontier justice because Kirk is so far away that he has the flexibility uh, to basically be a, a sheriff on the edge of the frontier? Uh, the second thing, uh, compliance takeaway, is groupthink. And here, everyone who is of the body uh, lives in peace and harmony with each other and Landrew. But clearly, groupthink has killed off all um, uh, advancement and uh, cultural development in this planet. 
So this is something that uh, I would ask you to consider. Do you have too much groupthink in your compliance function? And do you have too much groupthink in your corporation? So groupthink uh, can be uh, positive, but rarely uh, so. And it's shown uh, how damaging it can be in this episode. And finally, for number three, AI. Uh, Clearly, a computer is running the show here, uh, but it doesn't have the human element. And that is where I think many uh, technophobes really fall down because they fail to see the human element needed in artificial intelligence. They think that computers are simply going to take over and run everything uh, from programmable, logical, and learnable transactions, and that's just not correct. The human element must always be present. I hope You've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow where I take up one of the all-time favorites, Space Seed. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.